Hey, Biggs here. We were going to record a much longer podcast. I was going to have Carl on it, and we were going to talk about Squid Game. I was going to have a review of Venom. We were going to talk about Stepmothers in Fiction. I had another family thing that was very hard to get through. It is what it is. I I can't seem to catch a break lately. So this podcast is going to be incomplete. It'll sound like a full episode, but we just didn't hit all the things I wanted to hit. I assure you those things I just talked about will be in next week's show along with everything else that happens over the week and whatever reviews we see. But I just wanted to get that on Front Street. We are going to talk about those things. So just hang on. And it's still a pretty good episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Not safe for Welcome to Not Safe for Network. I'm Biggs. I'm Brandon. You wanted to bring up something about Evil Knievel, right? Evil Knievel's youngest son, Robbie Kelly, Kelly. no, oldest son, sorry, was suing Disney Pixar for Evil Knievel's likeness rights in Toy Story 4. Yeah, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Like stuntmen that did leaps and stuff existed before Evil Knievel. You know what I mean? And that, it looks more like Keanu Reeves than it looks like Evil Knievel. Yeah, and it was voiced by Keanu Reeves. Right, but yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, it, it was thrown out a couple days ago. Oh, okay. So yeah, clearly. I get wanting to make the money, but think about the fact that you're going against the biggest media corporation. You're not getting that money. Yeah, and then uh, it was interesting, the article. I read like the criteria that they used when they dismissed the case. It's like, so it had to have a bearance to his person. So they showed that like the mustache and like his facial features were different. The backstory and character were different. And so it's just like, nope. The only thing they could have gave them pause was they had the Evil Knievel stunt cycle back in the early 70s, which is similar toy. So that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, it just sounds like a money grab to me. Oh, the Knievels? No way. (laughs) They live near us, so they're not super well respected around these parts. Yeah. So I read this article and then I actually did a little research on Evil Knievel. See, I had always heard the name and the name was Awful Knawful. And turns out that was a real person, and that's who Evil Knievel's nemesis was. No, he oh, I had this great inspiration idea where it's for the his same, name, but he had a goatee. <laughs> <laughs> so he actually kind of stole somebody else's name and racket when he first started. Jesus! So it was Evil Knievel and Awful Knawful. Real original. Did he take him to court? Oh, I don't know. He should. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to get that Disney money, yo. So Curb Your Enthusiasm dropped a quick trailer. There was literally nothing to it. They've done that the last three or four seasons of Curb where they just show something that shows you that it's coming back. But they did like a space thing and made Larry David's head basically the Earth. That's it. it. Yeah, that's it. But that doesn't matter because it's coming back and I'm super excited about it. Jeff Garland said he's not sure if Larry David's going to be able to do more than one more season after this just because of his age because he's like 70 now. It's just a matter of like you can only do this for so long, right? Right. And then Richard Lewis apparently is going to be in the cast, which he's been on every season at some point because in real life they're good friends. They can't fucking stop. 
understand each other, but they're also good friends. Like they've both said that their relationship is exactly what it is on the screen, which is like they hang out and they're miserable and then they just start like needling at each other. (laughs) (laughs) And then they wind up yelling at each other and then the next time it just repeats. But apparently he had back surgery and two shoulder surgeries. And so they didn't think he was going to be back to the show. But apparently he showed up in April and was able to film an episode. So uh, he'll be back in the cast. And the cast is so fucking good. They get Ted Danson every year. J.B. Smoove. J.B. Smoove, dude. He (laughs) he came in in season six. And this is going to be season 11. And after his first season there, it didn't make sense to have that character there anymore. But it didn't matter. He just incorporated him in so that he gets probably the second most screen time in the show now because he's so fucking funny dude he's just like get up in that ass Larry get up in that ass just gotta pull the cheek pull the cheek put your head inside look around spray paint bitch on the wall like (laughs) get up in that ass Larry (laughs) but what I'm most looking forward to is they have confirmed that they are going to be talking about stuff related to the pandemic which is like the one bright spot I've had with all of the shit going on with vaccinations and masks and Karens and everything is that you know there's going to be a funny curb your enthusiasm about it. I don't know if Larry's going to be on the bad side of it or if he's going to be on the like feeling like he's virtuous and has to let the person know they're an asshole. You know what I mean? If I was to take a guess, I would say one thing that they might cover is somebody who doesn't put their mask on all the way and doesn't, like, cover their nose. But then they, like, nag other people to wear their masks. And I could just see Larry going off on him about that because he's not, like, covering his nose. And then at some point, Larry will just be like, fuck it, and, like, pull it down below his nose so it doesn't fog up his glasses. And then he'll get yelled at by somebody else like that. (laughs) That's usually the kind of shit that happens in the show, you know. But I'm really looking forward to it i'm so excited man that show premiered in 2000 wow the last season they hit their 100th episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah that checks out yeah it's nuts dude he's quit the show so many times just been like "Ah, i can't do another season and then it happens again and again and again i love it alan taylor who is directing the many saints in newark also directed thor 2 the dark world and he did direct a lot of episodes of the sopranos before people throw shade at him but he was talking about the Zack snyder cut for justice league and saying that he was rooting for him the entire time and then said that he would like to do his cut of thor because he had to change a lot of things in the editing and he thinks he could have made a much better movie than marvel let him make he also says he expects that marvel will not let him do this so what are your thoughts on this do you want this to be a giant thing where directors are constantly like it's the producers they fucked it up give me money so i can fix it i don't really want to see this continue like i mean i saw the snyder cut and i was like it's better. It's still Justice League. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's still Matt at best. Yeah. I hate the thought of like fucking with Marvel canon too much. Yeah. That thought it occurred to me too. It gets too confusing. We can leave Thor to Dark World where it's at. If they want to make up something to him, give him another movie. They're not going to do that. I, that would be more... What I would want to see is I don't need to see Thor the Dark World recut. Yeah. I mean, no matter what you do, how you re-edit it, it's still Thor the Dark World. Yeah. And I was fine with Thor the Dark World. It's just to me, it's like a three-star movie. Yeah. 
Like, who cares? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. To just leave it alone. The people who talk shit about it are talking shit about it because there's so many Marvel movies and something's got to be the bottom. So, like, the two that are accepted at the bottom by most fans are Incredible Hulk and Thor The Dark World. Most people are not going to elevate those beyond, like, bottom two or three. And then it seems like probably Iron Man 2 is disliked. Yeah. And then I think Iron Man 3 is the most fought over movie because it's some people's one of their favorites and some people just fucking hate that movie with a passion so it just sort of where you fall on it, it. was kind of a meh for me I as far it. as marvel marvel movies go i i saw I loved it, it like i would twice put it and in, then i haven't like gone back to that yeah i loved it but i would put it at the upper part of the bottom of the three tier, like I do my three tier system. I always have to reintroduce that every time we talk about Marvel. But yeah, it's like at the top of the third tier for me. Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's fine. I like everything in that bottom tier, but to me, The Incredible Hulk is the worst. That is the bottom. <laughs> so if it makes you feel yeah. better, Alan Taylor, you don't have the bottom for me. He's got the bottom. I'm betting we're just like slotting one slot up from the other one, right? Yeah. And out of a ranking of like 30, it's fine. (laughs) I don't even want to debate it. No. (laughs) And we certainly just exhibited how Iron Man 3 is contentious among us, and yet we're not arguing about it. So it's, they just make good stuff. So yeah, it's fine. Miles Morales is turning 10. They're hitting the 10th anniversary of that character. It seems like just yesterday that Fox News was covering the story and just screaming about how all the libtards are coming after our superheroes now. And in that span of 10 years, the comic book did really well, completely replaced Peter Parker in uh, the Ultimate Universe, right? It's just an alternate universe comic book. Did so well that they crossed him over to meet Peter Parker within the other universes. And then they married the universes largely because they wanted to retain the Miles Morales character and have him in continuity so it didn't feel weird that he was in a universe that was different than the Marvel 616. Then they gave him a big part in a Spider-Man cartoon. Then they fucking had an animated cartoon. Then that cartoon won an Oscar. That's all happened in the last 10 years. That's kind of fucking nuts for a character like that, you know? Usually Marvel characters are a slow burn. Like, they get created and they get milestones over time. But Miles Morales is just hitting every milestone, so... Yeah. I mean, there is stones. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, DC has to counter-program everything that Marvel does. So they put out announcements that Wonder Woman's having a big 80th birthday next year, which this is just lame, dude. They, like, drop it on the same day, like, right after the Miles Morales thing to try and top them. But, like, <sighs> she's not having an anniversary until next year. Like, nobody cares about the 79th anniversary, you know? Yeah. But anyway, they're going to build a statue for Wonder Woman in Burbank, California. So... <laughs> Shatner's going to space. Shatner is going to space. I suspect that this is only a thing because Bezos just got this big defense contract where while he's going into space, he's going to deposit things for the military into space. But whatever. Shatner's going to space. Captain Kirk is really going into space. He'll be in space for like 15 minutes if he follows through with it. And he'll be the oldest man ever in space. It'll be Buzz Aldrin by a couple of years because Shatner's 90, so... Wow. I really like this story. Just the fact that Shatner's going to space because it just made me feel all all sorts of warmth inside. And not so much on the Bezos thing, but 
Right. Yeah. I just wanted to get that up front because it was so obvious what they were doing to me after I read that story and then saw the Shatner story drop hours later. I was like, you fuckers, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I'm going to talk about my podcast, but don't think I'm not mentioning the other thing. Whatever. Do you think he'll actually make it up there? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just a bumpy car ride for him. Let me ask you a question. If you had a chance to go into space, would you do it? If I didn't have to pay millions of dollars? Yeah, yeah. yeah like you get a free ride into space. Would you do it? I'd take that. I would not. <laughs> because when Buzz Aldrin went into space a second time, part of it was because there was all this problem with like calcium deficiencies and things like that with astronauts. Like they have a lot of problems when they get older. And so they were looking at what would happen if you put them back into space when they're older. And he was, of course, like the perfect guy to do it with. I don't want those problems. Like I have enough problems as it is, you know? Yeah, but if it's like 15 minutes. Yeah, how bad could it be, right? I mean, Buzz Aldrin spent quite a bit of time in space. I don't think you're going to get the calcium deficiencies and... The spinal issues that come with going into space after 15 minutes. By the way, when he came back from that second trip into space, which I I want to say was in the 90s, right? Like the late 90s? That sounds right. Uh, when he was coming back, I remember. So this was the email days when we didn't have social media. I remember getting an email from somebody that was like, all right, everybody get your monkey masks on for when Buzz Aldrin lands. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to create this massive practical joke. And I was like, I could get behind that. <laughs> <laughs> This is great. Oh, the old internet, man. I also remember getting one that was like, hey, we're going to vote for Hanging Tough on TRL. Yeah, like Total Request Live. And uh, I was just like laughed at it and didn't do it. And then a week later, it fucking hit number two on their top ten. That was like a watershed moment for dumbness that I really appreciated (laughs) (laughs) going backwards. Uh, So staying on the Star Trek tip here. So there's a new show called Star Trek Prodigy that's coming out. and This is an animated series that will premiere on Paramount Plus and then be available on Nickelodeon. It's about a collection of kids on a mining planet who find a Federation ship and are taught to fly it by a hologram of Janeway, voiced by Kate Mulgrew, who is in Orange is the New Black and Star Trek Voyager. Now, I know what you're saying. It's still not going to watch this, right? Yeah. And I know you won't anyway. But does it change your mind a little bit that Jason Manzoukas is the voice of one of the kids? Not really. Yeah, I didn't think it would, but... Everything sounds great. It's just I don't have time to get into another streaming service right now. By the way, this was a backdoor to, like, do a funny test because I realized it's really hard to spell Jason Manzoukas' name, and I had to, like, relook in my tabs over and over again as I was spelling it out because it's such an unusual spelling. So I want to see if you can spell it. We know Jason. You got that yeah. part down. Let's let's focus on the Manzoukas. M-A-N... Z-O-U-A-K-I-S. No. So off, dude. (laughs) And that's close to where I would have gone, too. M-A-N-T-Z-O-U-K-A-S. That's a hard fucking name to spell. (laughs) And I've written his name down for notes a few times, and I try and do it correctly now because I have to use that for tabs so that people can find different things we're talking about in the show. So I have to get it right every time. It's a goddamn struggle. (laughs) Anyway, Jimmy Simpson is also going to voice somebody in the show. He's going to be a villain. So the O'Poyle brother or oh. whatever. Does that change your mind? No. They put out a theme song for it. 
and they have the entire intro. So does that change your mind if you like it? What if it's a real banger? I think I'm still, uh, unless they're going to pay for my Paramount Plus subscription. I mean, I think they're just premiering it on Paramount Plus, but it's going to be a Nickelodeon show. Which you'll have to watch on Paramount. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I do kind of hope it's on Paramount Plus. Below Decks, I really enjoyed it. It's a fun animated show. I am waiting to watch the second season for when Discovery or Picard drops. I think Picard's dropping next, like the next season. So I'm kind of like doubling up because I'm trying to be thrifty because nobody in my life watches any of the new fucking Star Trek shows. I don't know how it's so successful because I don't think I know a single person who watches any of them. And see, I probably would be in the same boat. You watched the first episode because I made you watch it so that we could talk about it on a podcast. No, and I've been watching, going back and re-watching Star Trek, but it was mostly when I was sick with COVID. Okay. And I watched a lot of Next Generation. See, that's not what I'm talking but about. Like, I was that, the, like, I am the only one that sure. would be watching any of it. Right. I was going to say, like, older series, sure, but, like, the newer stuff. I guess my boss does watch some of it. He watched Picard and a tiny bit of Discovery. Yeah, I just can't find anybody. But apparently there must be a lot of people because Paramount just keeps spinning them out. So you don't spin them out. Or they just hired a lot of bots. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of bots. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, androids. (laughs) What's really funny is that theme song I was talking about that they put out. It's a good theme song. It's better than it deserves to be for a kid's show. But it's also... So 90 seconds long and I'm like that's really fucking long I feel like Nickelodeon shows now are just like a five second sting where like you got a guitar or something and somebody being like finish your fame or whatever and then like boom it's right into the show their attention span 90 seconds that's like half their life right there you know <laughs> they're not gonna make it through I couldn't get my daughter to watch the opening scene of Bride of Frankenstein wow I know it's an old movie but Jesus dude like the attention span is like a that star wars andor so that's the one that diego luna is doing for disney plus they announced that force whitaker is reprising saw guerrera in it and gene viva i don't know how to say her name but it's the one who plays moan mothma and the more recent ones from like revenge of the sith forward who just like uncannily looked like the original actress from return of the jedi and then uh they've got ben mendelson returning as krennic in it so do you have any interest in watching this at this point like kind of a, a rogue one prequel if you will uh, I probably would watch it the way the Star Wars shows are going right now. Of course, I didn't want, I didn't end up watching the, uh, was Bad Batch. Bad Batch. It's fucking great. So good. Really, I'm a fan of Star Wars Visions. I didn't think I would like that. It was really fucking good. Like, I feel like they're batting 100% with their TV right now. So I also am interested in this because I really like Rogue One. I know that's another one where people either really like it or really hate it. But I found Rogue One fascinating. I like that everybody died at the end. And the fact that they're following this character, like, he's an assassin for the Rebels. And he's not really a good guy. You know what I mean? That's interesting to me, and I'm not seeing anything about Jedi, and that's interesting to me as well because I feel like sometimes they use the Jedi too much, you know? Like, I like Jedi, but they're supposed to be somewhat of a rare thing, and so when every fucking thing has a Jedi, it's like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. There's a whole fucking galaxy here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like Saw Gerrera, dude. Just like Forrest Whitaker with his one, like, bug eye just being like, Lies! Deception! Boogaloo! I'm in the bag for this. 
You have no idea who Saw Gerrera is, do you? Yeah, it is. <laughs> How many things have you seen him in, just out of curiosity? One. <laughs> Rogue One? <laughs> that, that'd be the one. <laughs> Fair. Well, he's been in at least, like, two cartoon shows now, so... Uh, I mean, multiple episodes, but, you know. Jamie Foxx has written a script for Misery. A little bit of Halloween news here. There's no guarantee it's going to get made. But he did write a script for it that would have him in the lead. It's based off an interaction he had with a couple who won an evening with him in an auction. He touched on what happened, saying, You know what an actor loves more than money? compliments i was there for 30 minutes i ended up staying for two hours doing shit from ray but then it got weird so i built on that (laughs) (laughs) what do you think this screenplay is gonna be about it's not kathy bates beating somebody with a sledgehammer i don't know they did a pretty good job with it in uh, uh castle rock for Hulu, because the second season was basically following the Annie Wilkes character. Like, she's kind of the lead of it. It's like an Annie Wilkes prequel, if you will. So they did a pretty good job with that. I would totally watch it if they made it. But Misery's one of the better Stephen King movies. There aren't very many legit good Stephen King movies. Like, I love his books, but there's a handful of movies that are legit good. And uh, that's one of them, which is what gives me pause. Like, I'd almost want to take one of his shitty ones and then do a better job with it. You know, like Firestarter. There's a good story there. And I think that's one I could catch on because, like, it's almost a superhero power. You know, I guess, and well, maybe Stranger Things kind of took its lunch money because they basically rip off Firestarter in that, right? Like, Eleven is basically her. What would you do if you could do a Stephen King adaptation? A good adaptation of The Running Man. (laughs) But wait, isn't that a Richard Bachman novel? That's a different dude. (laughs) (laughs) The trailer for Stranger Things dropped. Yeah, I uh, saw that. It was just a 90-second-ish teaser trailer. I have no idea how it fits in. Basically, there's this nuclear family. looks like late 30s, early 40s, moving into this giant house. Looks like the 50s to me, to be honest. It's a very 50s vibe to me. Yeah, they didn't have a television, though. TV has this one thing about, like, if they're doing the 50s, because everybody, family had a TV in the 50s, and they really focused on the radio. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. So maybe it's like the 40s. Yeah. And then, like, it kind of then had, like, a... Amity horror nod. That's kind of what, like, I kind of saw. Yeah, it's something with, like, a clock and then a window breaking, but not even dramatically, just a little piece. And then it, like, skips forward to Stranger Things time, 85-ish, whatever it was. Where Steve is just one of the kids now. Yeah. He's not even slightly bullish anymore. He's just, like, one of the kids. Yeah, and all the kids look like they're 25 now. Because <laughs> they are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was – because I just watched that and then I came over and I was thinking about it on the way over. I I enjoy Stranger Things, but I feel like it's run its course at this point. They planned on doing four to five seasons. And then I think the pandemic really, really put a crimp in it because they were supposed to film and then they had to shut down for a while. So I think we've got one more season after this one. So far, I've loved the first three seasons. I saw nothing in this trailer that made me want to watch it. But also, like, I don't remember seeing anything in the third season trailer that I particularly enjoyed either. Yeah, and I mean, it's 
It's one of those things they're not going to show you what's going to be in season four in the trailer. They're not going to give you that. Yeah, it's one of the biggest hits Netflix has. So, like, they're going to spend a lot of time and try and get it right. But you have to do it before these kids are older. Because I don't know if everybody wants to watch it once they're adults. It takes away part of the thing they're borrowing from, like, Spielberg, for example. You know, yeah. that Amblin kind of era of, like, kids running around with flashlights and bikes and early 80s shirts. They rebooted Fantasy Island and kind of went with the storyline that sort of happened in the Fantasy Island movie where the island kind of is in charge and they're kind of just there in Catering uh, to the island? Yeah, sort of. The lady who plays Rourke is supposed to be Ricardo Monobon's niece. And they did actually get a Latina lady. to, So that sort of checks out. And I just watched the pilot of the reboot. I haven't got it past that. But the pilot killed me. Because they went back to the old Fantasy Island A plot, B plot, where they have like two different parties on the island and the a plot was about like an anorexic news reporter that had daddy issues and she wanted to be able to eat anything she wanted and not gain weight the b plot was amazing so it's this old couple that had been together like 50 years and they go to fantasy island the wife has pancreatic cancer so that was number one that just like hit me like a brick. So she doesn't have time to live and she just wants to live without pain for a while. And then, so they both turn young and then it, the island gives her the option. She can stay and stay young or she can go back to her old life and, you know, she's like stage four terminal. So if she goes back with her husband, she's going to die. The way it played out was really, really well written. I've seen part of this because Amanda's been watching it, and I've not been watching it, to be clear, but I've watched a part of it, and I think it was like a husband and wife switch places, and it was weird. I don't know, man. It, I watched it, and I was just like, this is goofy, and it feels like an 80s convention almost. <laughs> like, I did not like the show from what I saw of it. I basically saw like the last half of one, so maybe I'm not the best judge, but I do got to ask you do you think you're the one person under 55 that's watching this show well obviously if amanda's watching it okay do you think you're the second person <laughs> under 55 who's watching this show i feel like there's not a lot of people younger people watching this show yeah the fact that they're doing an a plot b plot says a lot <laughs> you know is it still an hour long i don't know it, man. It, i mean it is the same show back yeah. in the 80s i feel like if i was doing fantasy island the first thing i would do is we're doing half hour episodes with one plot and we're just gonna play out that plot because i feel like it's too long you know yeah <laughs> on in syndication we did a thing on fantasy island and it was like laborious getting through some of those episodes because they would have a plot you gave a shit about and a plot you could not give a shit less about every goddamn episode it was yeah. almost like they had okay we need to come up with 50 ideas and then like 25 were like shit ideas but they were like those will all be b plots <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
And the anorexic, she was definitely the main plot because they have one that's like they kind of feature more yeah. than the other one. Yeah, like a, a 60-40 split kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, this is not the interesting plot out of here. Like, I don't care about this person at all. This couple, because from the moment they should like get off the plane, they have on-screen chemistry. It drew me in. I mean, the the subject matter was good. They played off each other like an old married couple would. I really, really dug it, but I was like, ah, I could do without the other one. If they would do like half-hour episodes, I would not have got the, the plot I wanted. Well, that's what you do is you, if you're doing your 20-episode season, you just do the 20 good stories. <laughs> you oh, can ignore all the shitty ones. <laughs> that's, that's the problem with it. it. That's the problem with a lot of shows from the 70s and 80s is like it was just filler. Like so much of it was just built into the show. Like we have to do 50 minutes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're not like trying to condense it into 50 minutes. Like we have to fucking do 50 minutes. That's why the two-parters are always so good. Because yeah. like it's such a good idea that they can't contain it into one script. And so then they make it into a two-parter, right? Yeah. But like two-parters are not consistent in most 70s and 80s shows. They happen every now and again. So Yeah. I remember when we did that in, in syndication episode, I remember watching and I, I can't remember what the A plot was, but the B plot had uh, Bob Denver as a photographer and they had him stumbling around for like, 10, 15 minutes. Like, it was just torture. Yeah, just fucking painful to sit through. <laughs> so when the Suicide movie dropped, I started thinking about the rogues gallery, how many of, like, the Suicide Squad we had that fought Batman and how Batman has the best rogues gallery, period. Yeah. Yep, Spider-Man's the only one who comes close, and I still think he falls short when you actually, like – Put them up against each other. Yeah. With a little help of the internet, came up with a hundred Batman villains. That's a fucking lot. And it, there was stuff that I left off this list. I'm going to go through the and get down to 20 real quick. Going to name drop them because those are ones that people are really familiar with. Okay. Um, so we got Lady Clayface, Fright. Henry, hold on. Hold on. Lady Clayface? Lady Clayface. <laughs> I wonder what she does. She shapeshifts. Just like Clayface? But yeah, she's sure. a lady. Can't Clayface, like, turn into a lady? Why yeah. do we need a Lady Clayface? <laughs> Clayface can't shows Clayface. Clay can't you have just made Clayface a woman all along and we didn't know? There are three Clayfaces on this, just to be sure. <laughs> okay. Because they are completely different characters, but they all have the, the moniker Clayface. I like face. that you're trying to get this quick, and I'm like, number 100, hold on a second. Let me, <laughs> let me monologue for two minutes. <laughs> so we got 99, Fright, Henry Ducard, 97, Nora Fields, Fox, Vulture, Shark. They're hold f- on. Vulture? Vulture. They're, they're, they're cherry-picking Spider-Man now. That's no good. That's <laughs> no bueno. Continue. <laughs> there are three different Sharks. That I know Batman is phase. Okay. Professor Milo, Zeiss, Spellbinder, Onomatopoeia, Reaper, Monk, Onyx, Jane Doe, Firebug, Brutal, Quasi Quilt, Crime Doctor, and Clayfaced Pain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And those are what I put in the uh, blips on the radar. I mean, they're probably just one-off villains probably for the most part. Now I'm into the minor inconvenience category. <laughs> So we got Magpie, Phantasm, Anthony Zucco, another Clayface, Hagen, 
Sensei, Tad and Tom Trigger, Alberto Falcone. Oh, Alberto Falcone. Like, the Falcones are fucking fascinating. Only if the comic book is done right. Like, The Long Halloween, for example. But And we, I think we get the Falcones in The Dark Knight, don't we? I think that's the the gangsters that are kind of rolling Joker a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Whisper, the air, King Snake. Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty sucks, dude. They could not have done Humpty Dumpty since the 70s. I would be shocked. Like, Humpty Dumpty sucks. Actually had an animation, like, and a picture of them that looked fairly modern, so... I wonder if they might have paid somebody to do sketches of them. Or maybe they just... Who fucking knows? It might be a thing Grant Morrison squeezes in. He likes to play with all the really weird shit. Yeah. So we got Rupert Thorne, Dr. Death, Lockup. Cassandra Kane, Blight, Batzaro. Yeah. Composite Superman, David Kane, and Flamingo. So that makes up the uh, minor inconveniences. Troublemaker, Ventriloquist, Riley, because there's two different ventriloquists on. Yeah, and Ventriloquist is, it's literally a dummy that like picks people and then they kind of have to do what the dummy wants them to do. And he's also a gangster. It's a weird fucking character. Uh, Maxi Zeus. Maxi Zeus is uh, King Tut. That's the comic version yeah. of him. Amygdala, the key, Ratcatcher. I got a feeling Ratcatcher 2 is coming. He's actually, that's the only one on this list. Oh, okay. All right. Ubu, Great White Shark, Clue Master, Electrocutioner, Prometheus, Black Spider, Blockbuster, Dr. Hurt, Tweedledum and Tweedledee, Calculator, Copperhead, Floronic Man, Catman, and Gentleman Ghost. Gentleman Ghost. he'll haunt you but then he'll like leave a little bit of flowers and like a note that's just like with an affirmation about about your looks yeah because he's a gentleman on top of being a ghost yeah he never was like a real problem what what was that category you you did minor inconveniences that was troublemakers troublemakers okay what are we transitioning to now now we're into the bad guys okay so this is the top 40. Okay. Jeremiah Arkham, Nissa Ratko, KG Beast. Still don't know anything about him other than Zach Lakenbrook mentioned that he was a character and it fucking captured my imagination. <laughs> Anarchy, Salvatore Moroni, Bronze Tiger. By the way, Anarchy, that sounds like it was made in the 90s. <laughs> Guarantee it. Would, when yeah. you come up with names like Carnage and fucking all of that shit. Yeah, that definitely is the 90s sounding name. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Professor Pig. Yeah, Professor Pig is creepy. Are you familiar with this villain? No. He butchers people, but he like wears a pig mask kind of like the torturer is in Brazil, like Michael Palin's character yeah. in Brazil. He wears a mask like that all the time. It's fucking creepy as hell. My daughter loves that character. Came running out one night and was like, Daddy, do you know Professor Pig? I'm like, yeah. She's like, how do you spell it? And I'm like, P-Y-G. She's like, you do know him. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we, 33, Firefly, Lady Shiva, Court of Owls, Calendar Man, Killer Moth, Owl Man, Black Mask, Mr. Zazaz. Zaz. Zaz. So we saw him in the Birds of Prey movie, but it was a really bad depiction of him. Ewan McGregor's uh, bodyguard basically is Zaz, but in the comics, he's a serial killer, and every time he kills somebody, he fucking carves in. Yeah, uh, he's cutters. Yeah, he's creepy as fuck. Carmine Falcone. 
Yeah, that's the leader of the Falcons. He's probably the one we saw in The Dark Knight. Yeah. Joe Chill. Joe uh, Chill killed Batman's parents. Ventriloquist, Wesker, uh, Solomon Grundy, and Man Matt. So I don't know if you know this about Solomon Grundy, but he was born on a Monday. That's like literally the only thing he says is he goes, Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. He's kind of like a mystical thing. Lives in the sewers of Gotham. Yeah. So that does it for the bad guys. Now we're into Nemesis. Okay. Superman on that list? No. That's a mistake. (laughs) We already found out he's his greatest enemy. But he's not a villain. Eh. Or a rogue. We're doing the rogues gallery here. I I saw Zack Snyder's Justice League. He seemed like a villain in parts of that to me. (laughs) I mean, do we really want to count Zack Snyder's work? No. (laughs) It's an excellent counterpoint. (laughs) I mean, Batman killed Zod. Yeah, he snapped his neck. Yeah. Because you can't fucking put your hand over an eye to stop an eye beam. Nope. When you snapped his neck, wouldn't that just, like, take out a big chunk of the building? Like, as his neck went, whoop, like, upwards? Big swoop. Yeah. I don't know. Seems irresponsible to me. Superman, if that is your real name. It's not. Way to go. All right. So, top 20 here. Uh, We got the Mad Hatter. Yeah. He should not be in the top 20. Yeah. He was kind of... I, I questioned some of the numbering in this list, but that's yeah. okay. Deadshot, uh, Clayface Carlo. He's the Clayface probably everybody yeah. associates with Clayface. Deathstroke. Is Bratcatcher 2 coming? <laughs> no, Bratcatcher 2. <laughs> Not even on. now? No. All right. Talia Al Ghul. Yeah. Hugo Strange. Hush. Jason Todd. Eh, I kind of object to that one. He certainly shouldn't be that high on the list at yeah. the very least, dude. All right. Fair enough. He used to be Robin, if you were wondering. And then they threw his ass in a Lazarius pit and he got resurrected and came back bad. Don't bury him there. Ground's rotten there. That kind you don't want to go down there. Yeah. It's basically Pet Cemetery is a Lazarius pit in Lazarus DC pit. Comics. But like the problem with it is that they don't have an old guy who's just like, don't throw your villains in there. They'll come back bad. Killer Croc. 11 I had is Harley Quinn. And the reason I kept her out of the top 10 is she doesn't often fight Batman directly. She fights him all the time. What are you talking about? Usually with Joker, though. Nah, there's like decades of comics where she doesn't have Joker, dude. (laughs) I'm telling you, man. Just depends. Number 10, I got Mr. Freeze. Nine, I got Scarecrow. Okay. Eight, I got Poison Ivy. Seven, I got Catwoman. Seven, huh? Yeah. Seven. I don't agree with that. Catwoman's top three to me. Yeah. Six, I got Two-Face. Catwoman's better than Two-Face. <laughs> I, 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 could go, I, could, I could roll with that. Okay. Five, I got Riddler. <sighs> actually, I might actually throw Riddler underneath both of these, like, redoing them. Yeah, kind of me too, actually. <laughs> yeah. Four, I got Penguin. Hmm. Penguin feels a little low to me. Feels like a number two to me. Nope. Number three, you got Raja Al Ghul. Nah, Raja Al Ghul's like, I don't think Raja Al Ghul should be above any of the top ten you've stated so far. I know people like him, but like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just an Arrow fan. He started off the whole Nolan trilogy. So what? Like, Scarecrow really started it off. Scarecrow was a compelling villain in that. He was the pawn for Raja Al Ghul. I know he's the pawn, but he's not compelling. Like, the Scarecrow is compelling. Scarecrow is so compelling that he's in all three movies. It's true. Yeah. Uh, number two, Bane. 
he wouldn't crack my top three, but I respect his positioning. Like, I get it. Yeah. It's just that the Nightfall stories are not as good as people remember. <laughs> <laughs> he broke Batman's back. So number one is Superman? Nope. What? Number one is the Joker. No, dude, it's Superman. He fights around. <laughs> no, of course Joker's number one. That that makes total sense. I have no problem with that position. I'm kind of fucked out on the Joker at this point, to be honest. I don't need to see more Joker. Like, I like where they put him in the Harley Quinn show. Like, he's just kind of there as like a an irritant. He has to be there for a Harley Quinn story. Yeah. Like, you have to have but that. They are But linked. they don't really focus on it so much. No, he's the fucking terrible ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like he's part the of the story, but we don't need to go through his story. Yeah, I agree. Especially because the story changes every, every time. Just keep a fucking consistent story, Joker. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we've seen so many good Jokers that we don't. We don't need more. That's a good list. You had to know I was going to quabble with the positioning a little bit, right? I actually was surprised you didn't quabble more with it. All right. So take it easy. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Follow us or reach out on Instagram at NSF underscore network, Facebook's Not Safe for Network page, or email Not Safe for Network podcast at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Alex Small. Have a laugh with Lauren and Sarah as they dip in and out of topics every other week on their shiny new podcast, Dippers. Weekly pop culture news you can use, coupled with reviews, deep dives you can't refuse, and occasional interviews on Not Safe for Network. Every week, Jeremiah and Biggs break down influential movies, tracing their influences and effects on cinema. They also occasionally suffer through a really wretched stinker in the movie podcast, A Cosmic Void. Eric and Connor will guide you through the world of wrestlers on the big screen in the show you can understand just by its title, Movies with Wrestlers.